Today's teaching text comes from the Gospel according to John, chapters 5 and 15. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. It's been a long time. Or not at all. Uh, for those of you who were concerned that I was gone forever, we'll let this be a word to you that in my book, Once Family, Always Family. And so I'm very uh, honored and humbled to once again be able to stand before you and open God's word. And particularly, I'm really excited about the word from today as we talk about the language of prayer. And today, as we look at praying through scripture, this is something that's very near and dear to my heart both the scriptures and prayer. So together, I'm just a kid in a candy shop. Uh, I'm reminded as we kind of talk about the scriptures, uh, how it can be something that we just oftentimes take for granted. And we know how many times we pass by a Bible on a bookshelf or in a book bag, and it's just an everyday object. I recently was talking with a, a young woman who wants to know more about God, and she's uh, was it asking if we could just go through the Bible together. And I was like, absolutely, of course. And so we made a plan that once a week we would sit down and we would just read the scriptures together and I'd ask any, answer any questions that she may have. And so we sat down this first week and we decided to kind of start in Romans. And she says, you know, she comes and she's like, man, I gotta be honest with you. I don't really understand some of this. And I was like, you know what? That's totally understandable. Romans is a pretty, theologically complex book. And so we can totally go through it. And she's like, well, yeah, it's not just the ideas, some of the ideas, but I actually just can't understand the words. And I was like, oh, okay, well, what are you reading? And she's like, well, you know, we just have this like, you know, King James Bible uh, and I'm reading, I'm like, oh gosh, okay, yes. Well, we've, we've moved past the these and the vows uh, and let's get you a new, uh, a new Bible to work with. Uh, and so, but it was just a funny reminder of this thing that it can become oftentimes commonplace, right? And oftentimes because it has one binding, we can consider it kind of this book, right? And we can think of it as uh, our holy text that teaches us how to live. But really, this isn't just one book. It's actually a compendium of 66 books written by over 40 authors, three continents, over 1,500 years. And it's more, honestly, than just a textbook. It's actually not a textbook at all, and it's not a manual for life. Actually, it has an intrinsic purpose that I think we have to start with if we're going to talk about praying through Scripture. See, because often when we talk about Scripture, what can come to mind is 2 Timothy 3.16, which says, All Scripture is God-breathed, inspired by God, and is good for correction, teaching, uh, reproof, and training up in righteousness, right? 
But that's the usefulness of Scripture. The purpose of Scripture, I think, is much more uh, nuanced for us and specific. Jesus talks about this in John 5 as he's surrounded by a crowd of Jewish uh, followers who are, who are seeking to know what it exactly is that he as a rabbi is teaching. And he says to them, you search the scriptures, this is verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. See, what was happening for these Jewish people is that their whole rabbinical structure was around studying the Torah, was around memorizing the words of God to then please God. And yet Jesus is showing them that in their desire to find God in these texts, they are missing him as he stands before them. And so he tells them that the actual purpose of the scriptures is to bear witness and to testify to who God is in form and in function. So the scriptures are not in and of themselves God. And oftentimes when we treat them as such, we run risk of heresy and apostasy when we understate the role of scripture. But we also run risk of idolatry when we overstate the role of scripture. This is kind of evident in our historical record. And now even in our country, as people are protesting uh, the, the long and the long-term effects of slavery, which was upheld in many churches by scripture, right? And so when we treat this as a text, we can make it say whatever we want. But when we view the Holy Word of God as a creator, announcing to his creation who and how he functions, well, then that becomes something altogether different. And now it becomes an opportunity not to learn how we should live, but an introduction to know the God that is calling us to live and wants to teach us to live. Maybe you've noticed this. There aren't any scriptures about how to handle social media. Or what about cloning or, you know, privacy laws? There's not, there's not any verses specifically on those things. But yet the scriptures are alive. Right. And because they point us to God who is eternal and is present in this current age, well, then now the scriptures then help us see the heart of God and allows us then to know the spirit that wants to help us navigate things like social media, things like uh, this technological age. The proper use of scriptures testify to God and illuminate how we as created beings can relate to our creator. Now, one of the ways that we can do that to be in relationship with our creator is through prayer. Now, prayer, if you know me any amount of time, you know that prayer is something that's very near and dear to my heart, something that I take very seriously over the last few months in particular. Obviously, a lot of my prayers have been prayers of lament, um, lament over the, the intense division that has gripped our nation, prayers over the innocent loss of life prayers over broken systems, prayers over unreconciled people. And those prayers have looked a lot like just crying out to God and going, how long, how long will you tarry before you make things right? And other times there have been pray prayers of thanks. My uh, son 
just recently started you know standing up on his own and it's been so amazing to see these new milestones and it's been really awesome though quarantine has had its difficulties one of the blessings in this has been such a, uh, an increased amount of time being able to be with him and to see these new milestones which I may have otherwise missed and so I've been like so thankful to God thank you for these precious small moments with my family oftentimes there have been prayers of of supplication. God, I, I need you in this moment. Uh, I'm going to need your provision, Lord, as I try to decide what's, what's next in my life and where you're leading me, Lord. I need your discernment. I need your wisdom. Lord, could you come and help me? A particular story, and I'll just take a moment to brag on God. Uh, we uh, obviously know that we can pray about the big things, right? And oftentimes we do, but what about the small things, you know? Uh, and so recently I had lost my keys for a week and I had no clue where they were and I'd searched everywhere and I was, uh, working out and I had my like gym bag next to me and I don't know why, but after the end of that workout, I was just kind of laying there and I just said, God, you know, you really care about my lost keys and you are the founder of, you are the finder of lost things. And so could you help me find my keys? And if they're gone, that's okay, I understand, but it would be great. And right after that, I just had this, this movement kind of the spirit that was like, oh, they're, they're in a pocket in your gym bag. Well, there was one pocket that I had not looked in. And so I was like, oh my gosh, yes. So I run over to my bag and I open up that pocket and they are not there. And I was like, well, uh, okay, I guess that was just indigestion. Might have misread the moment. And then right after that was like, no, no, no. I opened the main compartment of my bag, a place I had searched over and over. And there are my keys. It was a beautiful moment, small moment. If you saw a person in the park, like looking crazy, hear that on the news, that was me. Uh, just kind of giving thanks to God for finding lost keys. What's the point? Whether in big things or small things, I so value the ability to pray because praying is us being in relationship with God to talk about the big things and the small things. When I lay my head on the pillow at night and I talk to my wife, we just don't talk about how we're going to raise our son or how we're going to, you know, organize our finances. We just talk about our days. We talk about how that ice cream we had at dessert was delicious and is it okay to get one more bite will you judge me you know the big things are the small things because we're in relationship and that is the opportunity of prayer with god there's uh there's this moment in the scriptures matthew 6 sermon on the mount where jesus is giving his magnum opus and as he's teaching, he goes to this moment and he says this. He teaches his followers how to pray by saying, when you pray, you must not like, be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who is in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap empty phrases as the Gentiles do, 
for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask them. Here's the beauty in verse 9. He says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. That's the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. And I want us to just break down that prayer and just a couple of things, because I want us to see how prayer works and functions. See, I believe that prayer primarily gives vent to our soul, that the purpose of prayer is less about God and activating him and his work, because God's purposes won't be defeated. God doesn't need our prayers to care about us or to care about our situations. He already does that. Before we were even born, he was working on our behalf. But what prayer does, prayer is for us. It serves almost as a sacrament, as this, as this, this giving of, of, of peace and grace, right? That through prayer, I firstly can vent my soul. Whether in need, confession, or lament, and all the ways I need to express, God, I have needs. You see this in the middle as, as, as uh, the prayer is, Lord, give us our daily bread and forgive us our debts. I have needs, Lord. And actually, I say I, but I want us to see that I think it's important that when Jesus prays, he prays communally. He says, give us our bread. Forgive us our debts. See, in the, in the kingdom of God, we are individual, but our individualness is a part of a community. We, underst we understand ourselves through the lens of the whole. I think it's a beautiful invitation. So prayer gives vents to our soul and need, confession, or lament, but also prayer aligns us to the will of the Father. The prayer Jesus teaches us at the end, he says, hey, lead us, into, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Help us to forgive our debtors, he says right before that. There is this call here to live out the will of God, to be people of forgiveness, to be people that follow after him, to be people that resist evil. That's what prayer does. Because as we pray through the scriptures, well, then our heart starts to be aligned. And lastly, and I think this is the most important one, I think prayer reorients the position of power. Look at the beginning of that prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. First, we come with praise. You are worthy of praise. When my you know, mother as a kid told me to do the dishes. It never really started with any praise. <laughs> it was all just, hey, go do the dishes. Because she had the power. She was like, this is what needs to be done. And so I want you to go do it. 
And when I needed something for my mom, I would usually start with, Mom, you look so beautiful today. Do you think I could have an extra hour? <laughs> right? Because I'm trying to appeal to this power. But God doesn't move like that. So we're not appealing to his vanity because God is not vain. But what happens is we recognize through prayer that all power belongs to God. He is Elohim, God over all. And so as we, as we take that posture, it moves our hearts from being the center of ourselves. What do I want? What do I need? What can I get? How can you serve me? And then it re reorients us towards the proper position, which is God is in power. God, blessed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Not my kingdom and not my will. If I'm honest, those are not words I often say. Usually it's, I want it this way. I need it this way. My kingdom be expanded. But the prayer that Jesus teaches us reorients the power and it gives it back to God. If I'm going to get out of this, God, I'm going to need you. It reminds me, there's this beautiful story in the scriptures where Jesus meets a centurion and the centurion says, hey, my servant uh, is sick, Lord, and could you, could, you just, could you just speak the word and they would be healed. Jesus says, oh, I'll come to your house and I'll, I'll, I'll pray over your servant. And the centurion says, no, I know how power works because I am a man of power. And when I tell my subjects to do something, it gets done. And he says, and I know that you, Jesus, Lord over all, if you speak a word, it will be done. You don't need to do anything extra. And I love that the scriptures say that Jesus was astonished, was marveled at this man's faith. When we adopt the position of obedience to God, when we allow prayer to reorient the power away from our kingdoms and our wills, but to seeking the will of the Father, well, then that just unleashes God's full activation and movement in our lives, in our communities, and in our world. We see this in Philippians 2.7 where the scriptures say that Jesus does, he empties himself. Being in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, verse six, but in verse seven, he emptied himself. And that word there is that kinoo, or the kenosis, the, the, the activity of emptying, the process of emptying oneself, releasing my power and giving it to you, God. So we have this purpose of scripture on this purpose of prayer, and when we put them together, what do we find? Well, I'm reminded, as I said, I became a father uh, just over a year ago. And to be honest, the first few months were harder than anyone can ever really prepare you for. And it's not just the diapers or the late nights or the lack of sleep. For me, what was most difficult was that I emptied and I poured out myself 
and it really didn't seem like it mattered that I was doing it or like anyone was doing it. Like it kind of seemed like, man, to this kid who doesn't even smile at me, who doesn't call me, who doesn't like give me a high five or add a boy, he just takes and takes and takes and takes and takes. And honestly, if it was anyone who would give him a bottle, he would be kind of cool. Like that's what it felt like. And that was really difficult to keep going and just like, man, can I get a thank you just once in a while? But he didn't have the capacity for that, right? And so fast forward now a year as he's, he's become way more of a little boy and he started to mimic me. And as I start to say, hey, daddy, I'm daddy. And I'm introducing myself to him. And just recently he started to respond, daddy, daddy. And he's starting to learn who I am. And now I, I see that when someone comes into the room and he's like, I don't know, he knows who his father is. And he even starts to know my name. And he's using the words that I've taught him to call me. And I can't even express the intimacy that has built between us. And while I would have done anything that he needed before, now you can be assured I will run across any ocean. I will climb any mountain. I will fight any uh, enemy. I will do whatever I have to do just to hear those words, Daddy. Just for that intimacy with my son. Jesus says in John 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. So as we have this indwelling, as we have this intimacy with Jesus, this developed intimacy, that intimacy brings forth the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Lord, could we not use more of that in our world today? As we abide with Jesus, but keep going. And if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. And so there's deep consequences, right? There's a, there's a withering. There's death when we don't abide in that which gives us life, namely our Creator. But hear this, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Here is not what Jesus is saying in this passage. Abide in me and that Lamborghini will be outside. Abide in me and when you refresh that Venmo app, there will be $2 billion. That's not what Jesus is talking about. What he's talking about is that as I grow in intimacy with Jesus, both in time, but also in the knowing and the bearing of his words, learning through the scriptures, his form and function, his very names, that in that 
I start to become more in line with his will and purposes. And as I become more in line with his will and purposes, the things that I desire, the things that I want are less and less in, 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 in material things that will pass away and more and more in those things which last forever, which are the things of God and those he gives freely without measure in full abundance. And so in that posture, as we start to pray through the scriptures, as we start to learn how God functions and how he works through the scriptures, and then we put that in our relationship with him, as we learn to have intimacy with him, then we become new people. And as the things that we pray for become more in line with what God does, of course, of course it's a yes. Of course it's a yes. I think of my parents. If I had, I've never done this, but as a child, I think, and I think knowing this is my own child, if I had ever asked father, do you mind if I go cut the grass this morning? Mother, do you mind if I take out the trash? How about I make the bed or do the laundry? I don't think I would have been met with a no, <laughs> but instead a yes, sure, please, absolutely. Because this is something that has to be done, that needs to be done, that we need to be done for our family to function. This is in line with what I want, right? And it's cool that as that happens, uh, as we become in the fashion of God, right? Not, it's not just about service to God, but also joy in God. Because the things that God wants to give us is not just his work, but also his good pleasure. As Psalms 23 says, he wants to lead us beside still waters and lie us in green pastures. He wants to anoint our heads with oil till our cups runneth over. He wants to sit us in a feast before our enemies. So he doesn't just want us to put us to good work, but he also wants to lavish upon us more than we could ask or imagine. So maybe that Lamborghini, hey, who knows? Maybe it comes in the yard. That's not the point. God knows what we need. As we grow in intimacy with him, he, he provides it and he provides it in full abundance. I'll leave us with this, Romans 12, one through two, Paul says, I appeal to you therefore brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable God. That is your spiritual worship. Philippians 2, 7, that kenosis, that emptying out, presenting myself as a sacrifice, not holding on to my power, not holding on to my kingdoms, not holding on to my wills, but saying, God, your will be done in my life. Here is myself as a living sacrifice. That is our spiritual act of worship. And then hear this, verse two, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our minds which comes from that emptying out and that intimacy, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so church, I think that is the invitation of Christ to us that as we learn the scriptures, we actually end up learning more about God, the actual God, 
the God who thunders from Mount Sinai, and Jesus, his son who came to administer grace to us, and the spirit that lives within us that guides us forward in life, we start to see the form and the function of the God that we serve. And as we start to know that God, our creator, we become fashioned in the way that he created us to be. And that then brings upon fruit, not just for us, but for the whole world, that they may know that we are his disciples. And may we all be blessed evermore for it. Let's pray. Lord, I am so thankful for your word, which gives us counsel and direction, which searches our innermost parts, which divides bone and marrow, spirit and truth. And Lord, I just pray that your word would always be on our lips. Lord, that we would seek after you, not to make your word an idol, but to make it what it is, an invitation to knowing fully who you actually are. And then, Lord, as you reveal yourself to us, Lord, I pray that we would come into that intimacy, emptying ourselves out, holding nothing back, so that we may gain the rewards therein, the fullness of the fruit of your spirit, the fullness of your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We welcome it and we want it. We pray. Amen.